No perfect people, huh? That is truly the series that we're in. Um, let me introduce myself. My name is Jay Ross. I'm a part of the eldership team here at City Life Church, and I'm privileged just to kind of be in front of you today to be able to del- uh, hopefully deliver uh, a clear message here. Pastor Chris, our pastor, and actually his son Addison have joined along with uh, some other folks on a 10 days missions trip. And some incredible things have been happening. I think we just heard word today that in two days, over 300 people came to the Lord. So it's been amazing. They've, that's, that's, the Lord is doing it. They've built a couple of structures. They actually are having worship today in a building they built this last week. That's crazy to me. That's awesome. So uh, this is part six of, of the series, No Perfect People Allowed. So I am uniquely qualified to speak today because I am not perfect. So, so it should go hopefully well. Uh, today we will guess, investigate several points. We're, we're, actually, sorry, we're actually going through chapters 8, 9, and 10 of Corinthians. Now, there's no way to do all of that justice, so I'm going to hit some highlights and then focus in on a couple of points here. So chapter 8 being, is going to be being mindful of our freedoms in Christ. Chapter 9, our, our rights as believers and our role as Christ's representatives. In chapter 10, do all things to the glory of God. Now, let me get some, let me get a disclaimer. Let me get some stuff out of the way. So, I'm not a preacher. Or someone might expect me to be a preacher. Or a black preacher. Um, let me clarify. I'm not going to tune up. I'm not going to hum. I'm not going to stop my feet. Uh, all of these things are not necessarily bad, but that's just not me. Uh, what I will do is I, I, my plan is to, to passionately express what has been impacted to me uh, through these scriptures. Now, sometimes that can look like a black preacher, but it's not. <laughs> so, with that being said, can I get an amen? amen. Well, all right. <laughs> Won't he do it? All right, let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for this time that we have right now, Lord God, as we get to dive in your word, even if for a little bit. Lord God, may we dive into Corinthians, Lord God, where we can see Paul's passion, Lord God, to communicate your truth to people, to affect the lives of people, Lord God. May we never forget that you're the one that directs us and leads and guides our path. In all of that, we say thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we get right into it, I want to kind of give you some context to kind of understand what we're talking about, just kind of a little bit of repeating. So the city of Corinth in the time of Paul was a dominant commercial center uh, of the Mediterranean world as early as the 8th century B.C. It was a port city, much like Houston, uh, which was situated strategically uh, both for land and sea trade. It contained many well-known structures, monuments, and temples such as the Massilium. I just like saying Massilium. It, it sounds important. It's a meat market. Uh, the Bema Theater, the synagogue, the Agora, Temple of Aphrodite, Temple of Apollo, other structures such as that. Overall, in this letter to the believers in Corinth, Paul addresses several problems in Christian conduct inside of the church as communicated to him by believers who were there. He was also looking to provide an encouragement of progressive sanctification, basically continued growth and maturity in Christ. 
And by, by the way, as you can see, I am low-tech today. This is something called paper. Uh, don't have the, uh, the Apple products. I have, not, I have not come in with the cult yet. All right. So chapter 8, being mindful of our freedoms in Christ. The problem facing the church at Corinth were all associated with the influences of the culture, cultural environment in Corinth. Remember, Corinth was, at the time, heavily influenced by Hellenism, or the revival of Hellenism, meaning that everything Greek was good. The good was good, and the bad was good. Remember that. The problems in the church included immaturity, instability, divisions, jealousy, envy, lawsuits, material, uh, sorry, marital difficulties, sexual immorality, and misuse of spiritual gifts. Now, due to immaturity, and the, the prevalent issue in chapter 8 is the food sacrificed to idols and how believers were supposed to view and engage it. This was a common in Corinth, and many of the believers had previous experience with idols and idol worship and were unsure how to respond. Now, mature believers knew that idols had no power, no real power. They're not really gods. But immature believers, young in faith, still needed to be Disciple. Now, also, the mature believers also had one other thing. They were, they displayed some arrogance towards the issue and some finality to say, you can't do this, you can't do that. And Paul wanted to give instruction of it. So, with that, we dive into uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 9 through 13. And it says, But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged, if his conscience is weak, to eat food offered to idols? And so, by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, the brother of, for whom Christ died. Thus, sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience, when it is weak, you sinned against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. Now, Paul was serious. Paul was an intense dude. Now, I don't know if I could have gave up meat. I can't give up meat now, so that's an intense dude. Uh, Paul's point at the end of the chapter was simple. Mature believers should not hold so tightly to their freedoms. In this case, it was eating meat sacrificed to idols. Uh, If it would cause an immature believer to stumble in their faith. He was very clear about his mission. Very clear. If the freedom he had, but there was nothing wrong with eating the meat sacrificed to idols simply because idols aren't real. They don't have any real power unless given that power, unless we give them our praise and give them our attention and put them in a place that only God should be. But he was very clear. He did not lose sight of the mission for the sake of his freedom. Now, how is that relevant today? Churches today are still powerfully influenced by the cultural environments that produce idols all around us. And most of the same questions and problems that confronted the church at Corinth are still very much with us. The reality is that when these influences become idols, they are elevated above God and given authority in our lives. So idols, let me be very clear, idols are false gods that have been given devotion and importance in our lives. So the question I have for you is, and I'm going to ask it again, the question I ask, have for you is, what is your idol? 
You know, when I was saying that to myself, I kept thinking, what's in your wallet? But what is your idol? Although we may be mature as believers in many areas of our lives, any area of your life not submitted to the lordship of Christ is right for immaturity, instability, jealousy, envy, lawsuits, marital difficulties, sexual immorality, and misuse of spiritual gifts. Again, any area of your life. You may be incredibly mature in a lot of things, but if there's an area of your life that you have not submitted to the lordship of Christ, it is a target. It is ripe for all of these things, for immaturity, instability, jealousy, and, and, and the others I mentioned. So, so let me be very clear. Let me break it all the way down. Christ's lordship means he's in charge, that you've put him in it's not that you do it and then want to get his endorsement on it. It is, Lord, I'm bringing this to you. How do you want me to deal with that area of my life? How do you want me to engage this portion of my life? Is your life marked with one of the characteristics? If, some, if so, something other than God has an unhealthy importance in your life. So I ask again, what is your idol? And I want you to consider a couple questions. Um, just to kind of, hopefully, you know, God can reveal it to you what it is. So, what are, what are you most afraid of? Are you afraid of sickness? Are you afraid of being alone? Losing a child? Losing a job? Losing something that you hold so tightly to? Number two, where do you run for comfort? A vice? A person? your bed with the covers over it because you don't want to deal with the world. Now, I'm going to be all the way real with you. I'm going to tell you what my vice is. My vice is a God-sent dozen of warm chocolate chip cookies. Now, when I had a hard day, I go home, I go to my prayer closet and open up this golden box of cookies. I'm in the presence of God at that moment. Uh, others, what do you complain about the most? This could indicate frustration you, you have because it has too much value. Your job, what your spouse doesn't do, the presidential administration, Republicans, Democrats, Jerry Jones, all those things that you're spending a, a great amount of time complaining about and it's taking space in your life. What makes you the happiest? What are the best memories in your life? And if, you're, if you have this conversation with yourself, oh, if I could just do that again, everything would be fine. Next, what do you make the biggest sacrifices in your life for? Time, energy, money. Sleep, stocks, pleasure. What is it? Lastly, whose approval are you seeking? What is the one person or thing that if taken from you, it would ruin everything? Now, the, question, the, the real question I have for you is, is that person Jesus? You don't have to tell me. You, that's something you've got to come face to face with. What is the most important thing in my life? So let me kind of dive a little bit and kind of 
be vulnerable here for a little bit. So it's very clear to me uh, that my idol is approval. Very clear. And I knew that before, but I thought I had kind of transitioned past that, you know. Um, There's some things that occurred over the last couple of weeks that became very evident that I hadn't. Um, number one, I'm very close with my family. Uh, I am the oldest of four. I love my siblings. They're tremendous. And we have a dynamic going on where I'm about eight years older than my next sibling. So it really was, I'm brother, but I'm also something else. You know, I'm kind of in that, that hybrid spot. So in doing so, as we transition, my, my sister, I'll talk about my sister. She's going to hear this, by the way. Uh, as my, my sister is getting her PhD, and she is doing everything she can, she's amazing. Not just because of my sister, just because she's amazing. She's doing everything she can to hit this deadline that's there, and all the pressures of life are on her. So as her brother, as somebody, you know, I'm an artist as well, she asked me to assist her in uh, producing some graphics for her so that she could use it in her, her, her presentation. And I said, absolutely, yes, I'll do it, you know? And that, that was months ago, right? So now it's coming down to the deadline, and my life is getting crazier and crazier by the moment. And I'm feeling this pressure that, man, I can't let my sister down. I can't let my family down. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but when it comes into the place of worry and anxiety and not being truthful and not telling them I really can't do what I, I plan to do, then that becomes a problem. And I was, God was able to reveal himself to me through others saying, you need to be honest. You need to share with her the difficulties you're having, and we did. And God quickened me somehow and was able to get some of those things done. The next thing is my job. My job is uh, I'm an architect by profession and respons responsible for the completion of uh, multiple complex projects. The responsibility has helped to produce anxiety, which I have never dealt with before, prior to about two years ago. I think Scott and Cindy saw, saw that in real time. Uh, it was just a meltdown. I, I just like, who is this person? Um, it, produced an it produces an unstable work-life balance, working six and a half days a week, 60 to 70 hours a week, uh, lack of real consistency in my quality time with the Lord, my quality time with my wife. Now, let me, let me be clear. We spend all kind of time together, but half the time I'm zoned out. God's got to help me with that. Also, a lack of real consistency in my quality time with others. I enjoy hanging out with people. I, find, I count it a privilege to be even invited into people's lives just to hang out with them, to see their kids grow up, to, to go to the football game, to, to whatever it may be. To, 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 uh, to bless somebody's new home, whatever that is, that is life-giving to me because I'm like, Lord, they don't have to do so. They don't have to do that, but they do. It has also produced an unhealthy lifestyle I'm recovering from due to self-neglect, lack of sleep, lack of exercise, lack of the, just rest of the lacks on there. <laughs> um, this is all in an effort to do a good job and keep the owners of the company, the clients, and potential clients happy. It has always been a, a lot, but I have now realized this approval was an idol. And let me encourage and speak to, a, uh, to many of you. I don't know where you are in your careers and what you're doing, but I know the pressures of a job and the pressures of all the things that you got to get done can be overwhelming. I know that there is 
unreasonable expectations we put on ourselves because something's out of whack. It could be I'm trying to go up the corporate ladder, I'm trying to get recognized, I'm trying to get that next promotion. All of those things might be awesome. But if they're not led by the Spirit of God, then you're doing it wrong. And I'm, I, and I'm primary example of that. Pressing, pressing, pressing to get somewhere that I can only get there because God has put me there, not because of how hard I worked. Remember, it's not you that do it. You're partnering with what God is doing. He's the one that makes the way, not you. No, how, no, no matter how many milestones you hit, it is God, is the, God is the one that gives you the endorsement. So Friday, oh, I keep doing it. Friday um, was, a, was a pivotal point for me. This past Friday, um, there were so many things coming at me at once. I literally had to cry out to the Holy Spirit. Uh, I was overwhelmed with the pressure at work. All I could do was ask in the most defeated way possible, Dad, I need you. I said those words, Dad, I need you now. I, I couldn't remember a scripture I couldn't. Rem- I remember people's faces. I know people were praying for me because I got people calling, texting me out the blue. Now, it's not out of the blue because the Holy Spirit knows what he's doing. I had people texting me saying, are you all right? My mom called me like in 10 minutes. I'm like, okay, my mom's dialed in some on a weird level. But <laughs> she, she called and she said, are you okay? And I had to say, you know, it's a lot. My wife called me. I couldn't even speak. Um, I think at that point, I was about at my lowest point. Like, I, I hadn't been there in years. And um, I think I experienced, I touched despair. But very quickly, Holy Spirit is amazing. In that moment, the Holy Spirit reminded me, I'm here. I've never left you. Stop trying to do it through yourself. I'm here. He revealed to me that this was a burden that I was taking on because of pride. I'm trying to, to run this race. I'm trying to do the very best I can. And it's nothing, there's, don't, please hear me. It's nothing wrong with trying to do a good job because that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be a representative in the arenas of God's place to sin. But when it gets an unhealthy measure, that's pride. God, I'm going to do this. And then you can tag onto it. That's a recipe for disaster. So. As we transition, um, I'll leave that right there. Going on in chapter 9. <clears throat> this is talking about the rights as believers and roles as Christians. Paul had the authority to address the believers in Corinth very directly. Because of the endorsement Jesus had already given him, and the fact that those same believers were proof of his effectiveness in the task God had given him. Paul and Barnabas had the same rights as the other apostles and other brothers in the Lord for support and for families and, and for, for those things. They weren't excluded from that. But Paul made a very clear decision. He was very clear about what he was doing. Paul's overall sense was that he would not take advantage of these rights but surrender his rights so that there would be no obstacle from anyone in his task of preaching the good news to those that he encountered. Paul was intense, you know, and the calling that he, he had on his life was immense. But the thing that we can take away from that is that he was very clear about his mission. He's very clear. He wasn't, 
He wasn't sidetracked with, I'm owed this, I'm do this. It was about completing the mission that the Lord Jesus had given him. So let's go to uh, Corinthians 9, 19 through 22. And it says, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. Again, Paul was very clear. And how is that relevant to us today? Christ's followers must be strategic about engaging in the freedoms we have so that we do not lose sight of why we are placed in the areas we operate in and have influence over. See, I'm going to repeat that again because I don't think that you got that. Christ's followers must be strategic about engaging in the freedoms we have so that we do not lose sight of why we are placed in the areas we operate in and have influence over. We can follow Paul's example to become all things to all people that by all means we might win some. He was very clear, and we should be very clear also. We're in places that God has strategically placed us in. There are a variety of people that have all kind of agendas, and, the, and we have to approach them differently. We don't want to lump them in because God has given us the ability to be able to tell the difference. So I, I want to go to this slide. It's of, um, it's of uh, different types of bait. And the point, I, the connection I want to make here is, how many of you in here are fishermen? Raise your hand high. It's okay, raise them high. Okay, that's all right, all right. All right. I think I'm a fisherman in my own mind, but my fishing, my fishing is going to Kroger's in the frozen food aisle. But I know how to pick them. Yeah, I do. So here, a real fisherman know, knows that he, there, there, has to, uh, there has to be different types of bait to catch different types of fish. They also know that they have to go to different locations to catch different types of fish. That means instead of going to Kroger's, we go to H-E-B. Yeah, I'm with you, I'm with you, or, or Whole Foods, you know. <laughs> but, a real, but a fisherman is skilled enough to know, okay, if I want to catch a certain type of fish, i got to toss the line in this part of the water at this time of the day with this time of bait. I have to be quiet, quiet. I have to lean on my left side or my right side or whatever it is to be able to catch them. The whole point here is that they're familiar, they're aware of the, 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 the ground in which they're in to be able to catch, to be able to influence the outcome. We have to be the same way. In this room, we have a diverse group of influencers, and I say influencers uh, purposefully. We have coaches, we have singles, we have teachers, doctors, mothers, godparents, husbands, executives, married, fathers, managers, lawyers, traders, um, architects, engineers, etc. We can just keep going down the line. But make no mistake, we are influencers. We have the ability to impact people. Don't doubt what you have, because God has uniquely 
given you something that only you have in the arena you have to affect the people that are there. Now, it may seem like, wow, I'm so far removed. I'm so distant from this arena I'm in. Think about this. God placed you there. He allowed you to be there. He will give you what you need to be effective where you are. Let's be clear. The responsibility of every believer, no matter who, where, how you are, is one thing. It's to go out and make disciples. Let's make no mistake. I was, on the, <laughs> I was looking on the Internet, and I just typed in the responsibility of, the belie- of a believer. And I, I found everything else but go make disciples. Now, I'm not going to rail on that, but what I am going to tell you is it's very clear in Scripture what we're supposed to be doing. And the reality is, is because we're not engaging it as a whole. Now, I'm not trying to bash us. I'm saying the reality is, is that we have a mission. Let's not get sidetracked with all these other little things. It's not, that's not what it's about. Because if some, think about this. For those of you that have come to faith, there was somebody who partnered with God to come and impact your life. And that's why you're here. That's an amazing gift. That's an amazing gift. There are billions, there are millions of people that, that have no clue or, or have no, no understanding of the living God that is here that wants to engage with them. They have no idea. And he's revealed himself to you. So, as we go out and make disciples, a couple things to consider. Uh, a couple of, uh, of things I would encourage you with. Know your story. If you could switch to the next slide. Yeah. Know your story. I would encourage you to practice your testimony. The two-minute miracle is awesome. As I was mentioning earlier, uh, Pastor Chris and Addison and some of the others are on a 10 days missions trip. 300 people gave their life to the Lord. In In this photo and video, I saw people stand up and just give their testimony. They, they, weren't, they weren't hooping and hollering. I'm, again, I'm not saying anything wrong with that. But all they did is say, this is God, and this is how he's engaged me, and this is what he's done for me. And he can do the same for you. It's, it's something powerful there. Uh, number two, be consistent in your interaction with people. I got a secret for you. Say hello. It's a secret. Uh, number three, as you engage in your life, seek to cultivate relationships wherever you go. The word tells us as you're going, make disciples. It's not a separate event. It doesn't just, let me go do this and then I'm, I'm going to go walk around the mall and try to target some people. No. Now, you can do that. I don't recommend it, but you can do that. But the, go- the goal is as I'm living my life, as I'm going out to dinner with my wife, as I'm taking my children, God help us to to uh, to. Uh, the McDonald's Playland, that place is evil. Uh, I, we took our godchildren there. I was like, never again, never again. It's a Petri dish. Uh, <laughs> as you're going, make disciples. Um, the other thing is leak care to others. Now, you can only leak care to others if you're engaging them on a regular basis. And you're consistent in your interaction. Again, this is not about me just going and preaching to people. Okay, I got I to gotta get this out. It is, I am showing care because I've got something so powerful and so amazing in me that I eventually, Lord, when you give me the God moment, I'll be able to share it. Remember, 
God will honor your obedience. Shifting into chapter 10. And chapter, chapter 10 really kind of buttons up chapter 8 and chapter 9. Uh, but the thing I want to focus in on is this statement. Do all to the, to the glory of God. Do all to the glory of God. I mean, it, it, it's, it's really no more simple and difficult than that. <laughs> They're difficult and simple at the same time. So uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 23 to 24 says, All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. You know, we could ask the question who our neighbor is, but if you, in this context, wherever you go, that's your neighbor. We don't have to make it complicated. Some neighbors are a little bit more interesting than others, I'll say. <laughs> but, we, but God is still set for us to engage them. Paul reiterated that although we have freedom, using that freedom is not always the best to do because there's a bigger goal, which is to seek the best of others. The best we believe is Jesus. We want to be able to expose them to the love of Jesus, the love of Christ. So the reality is this world is desperate for what Jesus has. This means everyone under the sound of my voice, you do not have to do it alone. Look around you. We're all on that same mission. And one thing I wanted to mention, and I'm getting ready to close here, I'm, and I have to always give this disclaimer, I'm only going to close one time, okay? Don't be doubting me. Um, and that is, I think many of us have seen uh, the recent uh, suicide of Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade, and Anthony was different for me because I would watch it periodically. And even when I watched him, I saw this man that was like, there was something off. There was something missing. I, I didn't, I, I wasn't going to predict this. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it was like he was doing all these things to fill something. He was doing all these connection points and traveling around and all these things to fill a void that only God has. And that's what we're, that's the opportunity that we have to, to help expose people to the love of Christ so that hole can be filled. Please remember this. This is amazing. This should, this should blow your mind. That throughout all of human history, all of human history, and the approximately 7.6 billion people in the, uh, on the planet currently, God Almighty has decided to reveal himself to you. We have a great gift to share with the world. Think about that. You, you could be walking around here and God have not revealed himself to you, going in a direction that leads to utter destruction. But he said, no, you're precious enough for me to, to, to reveal myself to you. That's a gift. That's a gift. There's a world that we, we all engage in daily. There are people who need to hear about the saving grace and power of Jesus. Let's honor the greatest commandment, which is to love God with all of our mind, with all our body, all of our soul, soul, and love our neighbor as ourselves. Now, I've been speaking to Christians most of this time. Um, you know, just kind of, uh, that is our example. Paul is our example uh, of how Christians are to kind of engage. But I also want to speak to those that may have not made that decision or may be checking this out. Maybe thinking, okay, I'm not real sure. 
The fact that you're listening is an amazing thing. My prayer for you, and I'm going to be very bold, my prayer for you is that you meet God and he meets you and he reveals himself to you. And he reveals himself to you as a loving father who wants nothing but the best for you, which is himself, who knows the way to go, (laughs) who knows all your hurts, knows all your pains. I came face to face with that on Friday. I, I have been in faith for 20 years. And you walk with the Lord and sometimes you take things for granted. But the fact that my father came to my aid, there's nothing like that. And that's what I want, to, I want you, you to have that experience. You don't have to struggle on your own. You don't have to do it by yourself. Because you're not equipped to handle it. Newsflash. You're not built to carry this weight, this burden that only God can carry. We're made in his image. Let's pray. Father God, I I thank you so much for today. Lord, the privilege, Lord God, just to be able to share what was on my heart, Lord God, that people might be impacted by you. Lord God, you are not man that you would lie. You are not some falsehood. You are not some fairy tale, Lord God. You are real. You have created us. You loved us before we we ever even knew about you. You entered into history. You you sent your son (laughs) to bring us back to you after we fell. Father, remove all the church speak. Speak real right now, Lord. Everyone under the sound of my voice, anyone who does not know you, Lord God, reveal yourself to them today. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to to, to let me lay my burden down. Today is the day, Lord, to engage you. And for those of you that that are still checking out, let me let let you know. You might not know every answer, but the one answer is true is that the Lord loves you. That can make no mistake. Go on the journey with him. Allow him to impact and transform your life. Jesus, we thank you so much. You're so precious to us. Without you, we've got nothing. Without you, we're in utter despair. Take our time, take our talent, take our praise, take our attention. Jesus, in your name we pray.